what the Word of God says and that we read the whole thing all the way around it. And so this, this afternoon as I was uh, reading back over the scriptures and what the Lord had, had given me, um, this, is the way, this is the way he showed it to me and that we need to read the whole thing. So Romans chapter 8. Well, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 7. Chapter 7. <laughs> I just want to read the whole book of Romans. <laughs> chapter 6, chapter 7. You know, But as you're turning back to chapter 7, even the first verse in chapter 6 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then we're going to pick up in chapter 7 saying, where Paul, the writer, says, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. That's a covenant. You understand? A covenant. The law, law is covenant. God's law is a covenant law with us. God's rules and God's directions for us, the, the covenant that God gave in the Old Testament was a covenant of love, not a covenant of bondage. They were, they were literally brought out of sin and bondage and brought into a covenant relationship. Amen? And so fast forward into the New Testament, we have the new covenant, which was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we're not under the law of having to sacrifice goats and, and lambs and such things. That we're not under this heavy, burdensome law. We're under the law. We've been set free from the law of sin and death, and now we're under the covenant, new covenant with Jesus Christ. Okay, sorry. Ran off the curb there. Verse 3. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no more adulteress, though she be she should be married to another man. So if he passes away, if the husband were to pass away of natural causes and whatnot, or, or something were happening to him, then the wife, that wife would be set free from that. So she is no more no longer an adulteress. Um, verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Now, why did Paul say all that about a husband and a wife? It was an example. He was giving us an example of how the law is for us before Christ and after Christ. Does that make sense? Before Jesus came and now that we have Jesus. We are now set free. Amen? We are free. We're free to worship, free to... We used to be, the Bible says that we were, we were Gentiles. We were once Gentiles. We were like dogs. We were, we were the outcasts of the world. Amen? We were not God's chosen people. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, now we all, anyone, whosoever will call upon the name of Jesus Christ, we are made sons of God, sons and daughters of God. We are set free. Amen? That we are no longer bound to that law. Amen? Wherefore, my brethren, you are become dead to the law by the body of, by the body of Christ that He gave, that ye should be married to another. That sh I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. That ye should be married to another, even to Him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So, who are we married to first and foremost? Jesus Christ. We have come into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus into our heart. We ask Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. We are now in a covenant relationship with him. 
It's not a flash in the pan. It's not an experience. It's not something that happened one time in our lives. It is an ongoing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? So that we can bring forth good fruit. It's not just for you. It's for everyone. Your salvation should benefit everyone else. Amen? It's not a closet experience. It's not something you get saved and you don't tell anybody else that you're in a covenant relationship with the Lord. You want everybody to know. When my husband and I got married, I, we wanted everybody to know. We put it in the newspaper. I remember going down to the little, the little store down the corner where they had hamburgers and hot dogs and milkshakes and whatnot. And I remember the lady at the counter saying, you guys had a really big wedding, didn't you? And I thought to myself, well, no, not really, but, but we, <laughs> it looked big. Praise the Lord, because we wanted everybody to know. For when, verse 5, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So when we're in the flesh and we're no longer in the flesh, when you come to Jesus Christ, you're no longer in the flesh. You're not led about by the flesh. You should not be. Why? Because you've been born again. You're a new creature. A new creature in Christ Jesus. That, um. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So now we are we're brought into the spirit covenant, spiritual covenant with Jesus Christ. We are children of the Spirit of God. Amen? The Bible says in another place that, that, that those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. We should be led by the Spirit in all things. Will the Spirit lead you to sin? Will the Holy Ghost lead you to sin? No. Will the Holy Ghost lead you to, to break covenant with the Lord God Almighty, with Jesus Christ? No. Would, the, would, the, would, would your Holy Ghost lead you to do anything against God that would make God look bad or make faith look stupid? No, he would not. That is not God's spirit. That is not the Holy Ghost leading. Amen? The Holy Ghost would not lead you to steal, to lie, to covet. Amen? He would lead you to give and give sacrificially. Give until it hurts. He would, he would lead, lead you to turn the other cheek. He would lead you to tell the truth even though it hurts, even though it might be incriminating. He would lead you to always do what is right and good and holy. God is holy, so we should also be holy. Verse 7, for what shall we say then? Is the law sin? No, God forbid. The law is not sin. Nay, I say, not, nay, I had, nay. I had not known sin, but by the law. So how did you know we find out about the, the sin? How do we know that stealing was a sin? Well, we read it, right? We read it, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, right? So that's the law, that one of the laws, those were some of the laws that were given down. So when the law was given, that's how we knew it. We revealed that sin to us. So Paul is saying, if without that, I would not have known. We would not have known what this this uh, sin, what these sins were, but by the law. Okay, I'm going to pick right back up where I just left off. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of. Um, I forgot what the word meant. I, forget, I looked it up earlier. <laughs> all manner of um, confusion, uh, compromise. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Myself, my old man, the old 
fleshly self is dead. We're dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. That's why we get baptized in water because it's an outward show that we are dead to sin and we've been washed in the blood of Jesus and now we're alive to new life. And it shows everyone, just like the ring on my finger shows everyone, that I'm married and I'm not ashamed of it. When we're baptized in water, it shows that forth that we are and we're doing the same things that Jesus did and walking the same walk that Jesus walked. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment was, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and then by it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? No, God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, worketh death in me. By that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. And for that which I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. What is he... Paul, Paul has a way of worth words, and you really have to stick in there with him and go all the way to the end. So, so hang in there with me. So Paul is not saying there that he himself, at that moment in time, as an apostle writing this letter to the Romans, he is not saying, I know that I should do good, but I do bad. That is not what Paul is saying. Amen? Paul is saying that, that that's what the flesh man does. The flesh man says, I know that I should do good, but I do bad. That's what little children do. Amen? Because why? They don't have that self-control. They don't have the Holy Ghost to, to lead them and guide them. Yet maybe you know, that's what fleshly people do. They want to do good, but they can't. If, we're, if you're still struggling with that, that's where you need to get on the altar and ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart and to cleanse you. Amen? You need to make, let Jesus be the Lord of your life. We may be talking, you know, that we're, we're actually broadcasting, so I'm not just talking to the, just the, us in here. This is going out there. If you're hearing these words and you're still, you know, lusting after things, and you're still coveting things, and you're still, you know, doing things that are evil in God's sight, it's not, it's not covered. It's time to repent and turn to God. Amen? If my people who are called by my name, Verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. It's not in your flesh that you will be able to do righteousness. Your flesh cannot do righteously. You cannot do it in and of your own. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. That's what your flesh will do. That's what your flesh will do for you. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my own flesh or in my own members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. The law of sin is in the flesh. It's a fleshly law. 
We could not achieve it. We could not carry it. We could not attain to it. So Jesus came and he, he made a way where there was no way. He made a way that all we have to do is call upon the name of Jesus and be born again. And he will come in and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness, the Bible says. The Son of Man was made manifest to destroy the works of Satan. Destroy means to completely obliterate. The anointing breaks the yokes and the fetters. Every chain destroyed. Amen? Hallelujah. We should be shouting right there. Every chain broken. Glory to God. We are set free. Yes, free indeed. For I thank God through Jesus Christ. Verse 25. Uh, wait a Verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He answers the question in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with... The mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So what do we do? We crucify our flesh daily. We renew our minds daily. Amen? Precept upon precept, line upon line. And you have to take the whole loaf. You can't just take one scripture out of context and say, this is what it says. We can't just take one thing and say, well, Paul says right here that he does what he doesn't, what he knows he shouldn't do. No, that's taking it out of context. And trying to apply it to your own fleshly life to make yourself look good. And that is not what God's plan is for our lives. Amen? We are called to holiness. We are called to walk as Jesus walked, the Bible says. Verse, uh, let's, we're just going to keep going. I told you we were going to read a lot of scripture. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 1. I do tend to read a lot of scripture for, for those of you that are new. But I don't usually read this much scripture at one time. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore, hallelujah, no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Let's read it again. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Who walk after the flesh, but not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Those that are in Christ Jesus do not walk after the flesh. We do not look to do things that are fleshly. We do not pant after the fleshly things. We're in the world, but not of the world. Amen? We're a peculiar people set apart to bring forth praises to God. Not to the world, not to man, not to one another, but to God Almighty. For the law of the spirit of life, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what laws are we applying here today? The law of the spirit. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? I'm going to read it again because it needs to be heard in our ears. It needs to be heard deep down into our spirit, our very soul. That for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We are no longer slaves to sin. You are no longer bound by sin. You're no longer bound by your flesh. We are set free. We're free indeed. The, this law... This, what we have lived under from the day that we were born until the day that you called upon the name of Jesus Christ, that was grievous. 
It was heavy. It was hard. It was sin. It was flesh. But now we're set free by the, the law of life in Christ Jesus. I have life and life more abundantly in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I am free. Is there a battle going on? Yes. Yeah, there's a battle. But guess what? You're given the victory. You stand in a place of victory. So you can look that thing in the eye, if you will. And you can say, not so, Satan. You have no authority over me. I am free. Why? Because the law of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Amen. Amen. It's so good. We're dropping our Bibles. <laughs> our sister just dropped her Bible. We're not, we're not leaving the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Make it, make it clear. We're not getting rid of the Bible. The Bible is the relevant word of God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. No. We are free. For what the law could not do. And that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. It's over. Jesus said it's over. It is finished. It's done. Amen. All you have to do is call upon the name of Jesus Christ and be saved. And it is done. It is finished. Hallelujah. When I gave my life to the Lord back in 1987, I think it was, I went to that altar in the month of March. My sister and I were talking earlier today about our, our um, born-again day. <laughs> what day was it that you were born again? I remember the place. I remember the time. I remember so much of it. It was like yesterday. And at that moment, when the blood of Jesus came over me and washed over me, and I felt the anointing of God all over me, I was set free from so much sin, from so much darkness. From so much evil that, that all my brothers and sisters-in-law came to the altar too. <laughs> Everybody that, it must have been a huge altar about twice the size of this. And that whole altar was full of young people when they saw me go to the altar. If she can get saved, anybody can. We are set free because Jesus came. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they who walk in the Spirit are the sons of God. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, we mind the things of the Spirit. We're not minding the things of flesh. We're not chasing after the things of flesh. Ooh, I want some more of that. Ooh, I want some more of that. Ooh, I need to go over there and get some more of that. It begins to be like, man, I need to get a, I need to pray. I need, to, I need to intercede for that person. You see somebody walking down the road and you can see that spirit of heaviness upon them and you begin to pray for them. You're not, you forget where you were going. You just wanted to see them set free. Amen? It's just an example. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If we have the spirit of God and the mind of the, the he said, think it not robbery to have the mind of Christ. Amen. Think it not robbery to have the mind of Christ. 
turmoil and we don't have all this stuff in our heads, but instead we have the mind of Christ and we begin to think differently. We begin to see things differently. We begin to hear things differently. When I, you know, I, I'm just drawing from my own salvation experience today, but when I got saved that, that, that afternoon, I remember waking up the next morning, even that, that same afternoon walking outside, and it seemed like I had never seen the planet like that before. Everything was bright and clear. I could hear birds singing. I, had, I don't think I had paid attention to her birds singing in years. The sky was bright and blue. The clouds were beautiful. And I could feel this presence of darkness that way back there behind me. It was so far behind me now. But everything seemed dirty and dark that was behind me. And everything in front of me was bright and beautiful. That's Jesus Christ. That's, that's the changed life right there. That he brought us, and I began to read the scripture. I'd never read the Bible like this before. The word of God began to come alive. And I read in the scripture that he brought me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen? I began to hear songs on the radio. We actually, I didn't know there was a Christian radio channel. I found Christian music on the radio, and I began to listen to just the Christian music. And then the Lord led me to some good preachers. I heard some good preachers preach the word of God. That Christian music... For I found a CD one time and it said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's where I learned that verse. Because I heard it on the, the CD. I think it was on I won it. I won it on the radio. That's how I got it. I won it on the Christian radio channel. And then I gave it away uh, at the flea market to someone else. Praise God. We are free. Yes, we are free indeed. Glory to God. Where was I, y'all? Okay, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So we need to have our mind on Christ. The Bible says even that he, he tells us even to renew your mind daily. Yes, renew the spirit of your mind daily. Paul says, I die daily. That we crucify our flesh daily. Why? Because your flesh is an enmity with God. It comes against the things of God. So what do we do? We put it down. Reminded who we are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you have to remind yourself who you are in Christ Jesus. I am blood-bought. Amen? We were in goodwill yesterday. I saw this, this plaque. We should have bought it. It said, I am a child of God. Amen? Remind yourself. I am his child. I have been bought with a price Amen. that no man can pay. Verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Mm. You know there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. You can't be a fleshly Christian. You can't be a carnal Christian. Why? Because you must crucify your flesh. Your flesh has to die out and let the Holy Spirit move. Amen? There's no room for carnal Christians. We need to be, we're, we need to be on fire for God. Then the, in the Book of Revelation, God said, be either hot or cold or I'll spew you out. I will spew you out. If you have hot water, it's boiling, it's moving, you can see it. And when it splashes out on you, it burns you. And if it brings an effect, you jump. You, you don't want to get too much of that hot water on you, right? When you boil water, you can put your old dirty clothes in there and it gets all the bad impurities. It gets all the dirt and the germs out, boils them out. If the water's cold and you, you touch it, it's cold. You get a reaction. You jump back. You don't want that. You don't want to get in there. It's too cold. It's ice cold. 
is closed down. All the elements, all the atoms, they all slow down. They get hard. They, they're still, they're still in there and still moving really, really slow sometimes. But they're still. And the hot water, it's boiling. It's jumping. It's moving. But that water in the middle, it just becomes stagnant. And it's warm. It's gross. And when you have that warm dishwater, you ever had warm dishwater? You come in, you stick your hand down that warm dish. It's all slimy and gross. You find the water standing out by, by the water, by the, by the creek or something that's off to the side, and it's just sitting there in a pool, and you can see little creatures moving around in it. Bacteria begins to grow. Which one would you rather drink? The water that's been boiled or the water that's in the middle? That lukewarm water. No, 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 you want the water that's been boiled, it's been purified, right? That lukewarm water is going to make you sick, it's going to make you vomit. The Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation said, Be ye hot or cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. He wants us to be on fire for him. Amen? To make a decision. In the Old Testament, he says, um, how long will you halt between two decisions? How long will you stay in the valley of decision? Make a decision. Come to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we say, you know what? I'm not going to play around anymore. Like my sister said a couple of weeks ago, no more play play. I'm not going to play around with God anymore. I'm not going to pussyfoot around and tiptoe around. I'm going to do what the Lord God says. And he says, be ye born again. You must be born again. Be holy as I am holy, he says. Verse 9 says again, but if you are not, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you are of the Spirit. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Hallelujah. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. The same spirit that lives in him, the same spirit that caught Jesus up into the air, that same Holy Ghost spirit. He paid the way, he made a way so that you too could be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. That you too can be endued with that same power from Acts chapter 2. Therefore, brethren, ye, we were debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if, if you live through the Spirit and do mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. We need to mortify the deeds of the flesh and live. So many people, I meet, I meet so many people, and, and they, they want to grab onto the things of the flesh. They, they want to say, yeah, but we're free. We can do this and we can do that. But the Bible says we should do the things of, like Christ did. If Jesus were healed, would he do that? A lot of people will say he will. But when you look at the life of Jesus, you can say he wouldn't. He's after the things of the Spirit. He's after the spirit of man. He wants to see people born again. He's not after pleasing the flesh. Jesus never was after pleasing the flesh. He didn't feed the 5,000 because of a flesh problem. He did it to show forth the glory of God. Those people wouldn't have starved to death. Amen? He did it to show forth the glory of God. 
and the love and the compassion of God, not for a flesh reason. Verse 14, for as many, here it is, for as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We must be led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, led by the Holy Ghost of God. He said that he would lead you and guide you in all truth and righteousness. He said in Jeremiah 29 that you, you would hear him behind you and he would say, this is the way, walk in it. That you would hear his Spirit leading you. Amen? If we will let him, if we will submit to God, resist the devil, the devil will flee. Amen. Amen. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, hallelujah, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted in. You are born again. Now you are the family of God. You are a child of God. No longer a slave to sin. No longer under the oppression and the possession of the enemy but we are set free hallelujah glory to god verse 16 the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of god the holy ghost himself bears witness with our spirit man that we are the children of god when we are born again and if children, then we are heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. It might look like we're suffering. It might look like we're going through some hard times. It might look like we don't get to do all the fun things that everybody else is doing, but it's not fun. It's just fulfilling the lust of the flesh. How much more fun is it to pray for someone and see them set free? How much more fun is it for, to pray with someone and see them healed? Amen? How much more fun is it to see? I was praying one day at the altar, and I was praying. I was just praying, praying, praying. And I was like, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. It was a heart's cry in the early 2000s. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, look to your left. And I looked over, and I saw people on the altar. He said, look to your right. And I saw people on the altar. He said, look up there. And I saw kids crying out to the Lord, getting saved, giving their lives to the Lord. He said, that's my glory. That's my glory. I've been privileged and blessed to be at all of my grandchildren's births, to be right there when each one of them was born, all six of them. That's glorious. It's a miracle of God to see a child born and to come into this world. Such joy and sorrow all at the same time. But to see another, that child be born again, to see that same child give their life to the Lord and live their life for the Lord, there is no greater joy. There is no greater joy than to know that our children serve the Lord. Amen? This is a good message, Lord. Thank you. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption 
Verse 21, into the glorious liberty of the children of God, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. We're waiting for Jesus Christ to come again to take us home. We're going to hold on to his unchanging hand. Keep your eyes fixed on the prize, people. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep watching the eastern sky, waiting for it to break open, for Jesus to come to catch us home. Amen? Glory to God. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't back down. But, but keep going forward. Don't let the flesh get the upper hand. Don't let the world get the upper hand. Close your ears to those other things that are trying to pull you out. Close your ears to the negative and the naysayers and the lies. Hear the truth. The truth is you're a child of God. The truth is God has a perfect plan for your life and it is good. Jeremiah 29, 11, that, that he has a plan for you and it has it to bring you to an expected end. That means he's got the whole plan. And guess what your job is? You jump on. Amen? You get on that track with him and let him lead you and guide you in all truth and righteousness to teach you all things and bring all things back to your remembrance which he has taught you glory to god he is the great comfort of the holy ghost for we are saved by hope to verse 24 but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees why does he yet hope for it but if we hope for that which we see not then do we with patience wait for it it is with he, Jesus' return is that blessed hope. We are hoping and we are expecting and we're waiting and we're watching. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit also helps with our infirmities. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost will help you with those things. For we know not for what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Ghost himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Ghost knows how to pray. He's our direct line to Father God through Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost knows exactly what you have need of. So many times I'm, I feel led to pray for someone and I'll begin to pray and I just run out of words and the Holy Ghost will just begin to pray because he knows exactly what they have need of. Sometimes he begins to, you might begin to groan and just cry out. You don't even know what it is, but the Holy Ghost does. And he's working something in you to work something in them. Glory to God. And sometimes it's for you and in you, and you don't even know it. Glory to God. And he, verse 27, and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Ghost prays for us according to the will of God. We don't know what the perfect will of God is, but Holy Ghost does. We need that. We need him. We need the Holy Ghost. We need Him active in our lives. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 28, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, comma, to them who are the called according to His purpose. He will work those things out to your good when you're walking in your calling and your purpose of what God has planned for your life. Amen? Amen. Here's that track you got to jump onto. Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to his, the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He has a plan. It's our job to get in line with the plan. 
and let the Spirit of God direct. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? But if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Glory to God. We Sometimes we feel like we're pressed down on every side, forsaken, rejected. But who can be against us because God be for us? Amen. Glory to God. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up, up for us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He will give us all things. Freely, he is giving us all things. It's we need to partake. We need to come in and say, yes, Lord, I will receive what you have for me. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? It is not for us to condemn. Amen. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. What law are we under? The law of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Chapter 6 said, What then should we continue in sin? God forbid. No, we don't continue in sin. That grace is not so that we can continue in sin, but the grace is the grace, the power to overcome sin. Amen. We are set free Amen. from the law of sin. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verse 35. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake are killed all the day long we are killed. We are accounted for as sheep for the slaughter. But nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor the things present nor the things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Amen. Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God loves you so much. There's nothing that can contain it. There's no way to measure it. It's immeasurable. The gifts, the love, the showering of the blessings of God that he has for you. Amen. Nothing. You can't take it. You can't take it from me. The song, the song says, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Amen? Amen. There's a, a saying, you can't have my joy, devil. Amen? You can't take it. Amen. You tell the devil, you know, you just tell the enemy, tell your flesh, no, you can't have it. I'm going to have joy. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't care what's going on around me. Sometimes you've got to get up and shake yourself. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Well, glory to God anyway. Amen? Hallelujah anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to keep going forward anyway. No matter what the devil says. No matter what the world says. No matter what storm I'm in the middle of. Glory be to God. You might be on a ship that's wrecked in peril and tossed to and fro. But what do you say? Let's sing some praises to the Lord. Amen? And sing the Lord's deliverance. You might be tossed into a fiery furnace. Amen? And what are you going to do? You're going to praise God anyway. And watch God for the deliverance. And if he doesn't deliver us, glory to God, we're going to see him just like that. Hallelujah. And then you might be tossed into the lion's den. The lions might be roaring, licking their lips. But as soon as you come into their presence, you say, you know what? I serve the most high God. 
I serve the Lord God Almighty. And those lions just lay down and become a pillow for you. Amen. Glory to God. They might even offer up their, their mouse snack to you. <laughs> Glory to God. We don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. We are free. We're set free. Glory to God. I have so much more scripture. We're going to continue it later. I think we're having a lot of fun here at the Lord. <laughs> Amen. We're just now getting excited. So let's go. Let's, let's keep going then. Hallelujah. Turn with me to 2 Peter. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Where are we, Lord? Sometimes you mark a page and think, how did I get here? Okay, chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. It's almost at the end of the Bible there. 2 Peter chapter 3. Hallelujah. Mm, glory to God. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. For me, whom the sun set free is free indeed. Lord Jesus, we thank you that Son of God has made manifest to destroy the works of Satan. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory, God. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We are free, yes, free indeed. We are not under the law of sin and death, but under the law of life and liberty in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We see the chains just breaking off. The ropes just fall into pieces. Your people are free people. We are free. Free, free, free. Free indeed. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, have your way. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And Peter writes, This is the second epistle, beloved. I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you might be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us as the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust. Scoffers, walking after the flesh. Right? Those scoffers are not walking after the Spirit. Those scoffers are saying Jesus isn't coming back or not being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. The naysayers, the ones that come up with other ways to get into heaven, other ways to communicate with God. They're walking after the flesh. They're serving after the flesh. There is a spiritual realm. I'm just kind of filling in space as everybody's getting their second Peter chapter three. There's a spiritual realm right here. The God of this world is Satan. That's what the scripture tells us. He's of the little, the little lower heavens right here, the heaven, heavenly realms, but it's not the Holy Ghost, the not, not the holy heaven of God. Okay? So there's there's a different levels. So right here in this atmosphere, not in the not inside this church. <laughs> In this atmosphere on the earth, we're this Satan's realm right now, according to the scripture. And people that practice spiritual things can reach up and pull things down out of that, that spiritual realm. 
and they don't know better, and they don't know, really, really know the presence of God and the Spirit of God, the spirit of confusion will come in, or a religious spirit will come in and begin to twist the Word of God. Satan always twists the Word of God. He'll always take it out of context and make it, make it, make it fit into the hole he wants it to fit in. He'll cram it in there with a hammer if he has to. He always twists it. And so we need to know the Word of God. Know it, know it, know it. Why do you think there's so many different, no, I'm not talking about translations, there's so many different kinds of Bibles out there today. I'm not talking about literal translations. I'm talking about this guy decided to write a, a Bible in his own way of saying things. And this guy, you know, does he, not even the same faith. Not even filled with the Holy Spirit. Not even claiming to be led by the Holy Ghost. There's so many things out there that are twisted now. And we need to know the pure word of God. We need to know God's voice. We need to press into his presence. And don't just settle for stuff that's right here in this realm. Y'all get me? The stuff that's in this realm, anybody can access. The stuff that's from the throne of heaven, only God's children. Amen? It's set aside and set apart for only God's children. Glory to God. All right. That didn't cost y'all nothing. Just a little something extra. So in verse 3, we see that they are walking after their own lust. Therefore, they're walking after the flesh. In verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? These people who are saying um, and walking after their, their own lust are saying, where is the promise of Jesus' coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all these things as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant. But by... The word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then being overflowed with the water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not be ignorant of this one thing, that one day, is with the, the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So many times, many times, I, you know, as, as a young Christian, I heard people come up to me and say, well, yeah, but... That's been going on since forever, and they've been, they've been saying Jesus was coming forever. And I remember being in school, a little kid, like I don't know, third and fourth grade. Some kid came to school and he said, "The Lord Jesus is coming back." And I thought, "Well, what is he even talking about?" You know. And he would say, "It's the end of the world." And I'm like, hey, "What are you talking about?" And then when I got saved, I was like, "Well, I heard that a long time ago." And then the Spirit of God led me to the Scripture right here. And we see, yeah, they're saying it, but they're saying it of the flesh that he's waiting. He's not coming. It's a wicked servant that says he delays his coming. Amen? And that didn't cost you anything either. That was a little something extra. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And he tells us that, that, that he loves us so much. And is long-suffering towards us because he's not willing that any should perish. It's not his will. God does not send people to hell. Amen? People reject God. People make that decision. God does not send them to hell. 
But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in that which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing that these things shall be dissolved, which manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord God, of the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that Ye look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. So going back to what we're reading in the book of Romans, we are not to be led about by the flesh. We are not to continue in sin, God forbid, but yet we are to be found in holiness. When Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith? When I come, will I find faith? Will I find you walking in faith? Will I find you... Trusting in me will I find you walking in holiness as I have walked. Verse 15. And account that long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom giveth unto him, hath written unto you, and said, As all in his epistles, speaking in them with these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they are unlearned and unable to rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also being led away with error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. So Peter's saying, you know, some of the things we just read in the book of Romans, the way that Paul words things and says things sometimes it's hard to understand but with the spirit of God he gives us understanding and he gave us Peter to help bring some things down to earth <laughs> praise God and he helps us to see and understand things the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us and he will teach us and he will bring these things to revelation to us he is the spirit of revelation he will open our eyes and give us understanding so that we can understand it Jesus prayed for all of us before he left before he ascended to the heavens, that we would all be able to understand, that we would read and understand, that we would hear and understand. So he gives us that. It's right here in the book of Daniel this morning. I opened my Bible to the book of Daniel, and Daniel was praying. And as he was praying, he felt someone touch him. And he opened up his eyes to see who touched him, and it was Gabriel. He said that man who had come and gave him the message before was there standing before him again. The angel Gabriel was standing there and he said, I came to give you understanding. Amen. Amen. God gives us understanding. He tells us in the book of Amen. Proverbs that you need to, with the principal thing, the very first baseline thing, the principal thing is wisdom. And in all, and get wisdom. You got, you, got, you got God, you got Jesus, now get some wisdom. Amen. Seek after wisdom, court wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding also. So he provides us with the wisdom of God, the keys of God, and he gives us the understanding also. Amen? Amen. So we don't have to wander around in darkness wondering what's going on and be like, like children because he gives us everything that we need. He equips us with everything that we have need of. Glory to God. And if we're... 
I have one more thing I wanted to read to y'all. And I'm, I'm just trying to try to condense it for you, okay? So in the in the book of John, chapter 15, he talks about how Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Amen? Amen. And Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. Is that right? Verse 2 of chapter 15, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. He cuts that branch off. Look at the next part of that verse. And every branch that bears, bears fruit, he purges it. So he takes off that first fruit. He pulls off that, that heavy fruit. Why? Because next, the next time around it's going to bear better fruit. The ones that aren't bearing any fruit, he cuts those off. Those saplings, they call them saplings on tomato plants. You pinch those off you cut them off. Why? Because they're just taken away from the plant. They're just drawing the life out of it and using up the energy. So you cut those off so the energy can be used to make more good fruit. Amen? So where branches are not bearing fruit, he will cut them off. And if you are bearing fruit, he's going to purge you. Glory to God. So that you can bring forth better fruit, even more gooder fruit. Amen? And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And he that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. If a man abides not in me, is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Just bring the, bring the whole thing back around. So if we abide in the branches, if we, if we're good vines, good branches, and we abide in the vine, we abide in Christ, there is no sin in Christ Jesus. Can I hear, get a witness? There is no sin. There is no fleshly attitude. There's none of that in Christ Jesus. Amen? And if we're the branches, I might have a plant here right now. If we're the branches and we're attached to that, then the same, if you will, juices that flow through that vine flow out into the branches to bring forth good fruit. If there were corruptness, in that plant, if that was a genetically modified plant, <laughs> if that plant was growing on a uranium place where there's a lot of uranium in the ground, and that plant was pulling that stuff up through it, then that would come out into the branches and go into the fruit, and that would be bad fruit. Amen? There's none of that in Christ Jesus. There's nothing but pureness and holiness. Even Peter, when he was writing to the, to the church, he said, to your pure mind, I'm writing to you. You have a pure mind, I'm writing to you. Understand what I'm saying to you. Amen? In Christ Jesus, there is no impure mind. We have the mind of Christ. Amen? But what if an impure thought comes? That impure thought should not even make it all the way. You hear me? It might start... But you cut it off, the Holy Ghost will nip it in the bud. Amen? You say, not so. I'm not going to receive it. I don't want to think it. You might have a habit. Let's give you a word, a, a, an example. People, people get in the habit of saying things, and I know um, 
I used to know somebody got in a really bad habit of saying, I hate this, and I hate that, and I hate this. And it began where they would, they would say, well, I just hate this person. And it's a really bad habit. Maybe they didn't hate people. They just didn't like the way they did things. They didn't like, you know, green beans or whatever. But they didn't hate them. Right? But when you start to walk in Christ and your mind becomes, the, begin, you begin to renew your mind, you begin to realize, I don't need to say that. So I'm not going to say that anymore. Just, you know, you, you can say, well, you could begin to say, well, I love green beans, but if you don't like them, then you're lying. Am I right? So you can't say I love something that you don't love. Right? So just don't say I love green beans. I don't love pizza. I don't love green beans, and I don't love donuts. I really like donuts. Right? So speak the truth in love. If you don't like the way a person does something, y'all really don't like how he does that, but I love that person. I love their, you know, that's the soul that needs Jesus, you know. I need you, Jesus, too. We all need Jesus. Amen? So that what do we do then? We continue in love and we continue in Christ and we continue this walk with the Lord, waiting for him to come again, knowing that he's coming soon and he's coming back for you and for me. Amen? He's coming back for his pure, spotless bride. He's not coming back for a dirty wretch. Hallelujah. Amen? He's not coming back to what's amazing grace. How sweet the sound to save a wretch like me. I used to be a wretch. I'm not a wretch now. Amen? Amen. I'm no longer wretched. Hallelujah. We are set free, washed in the blood of Jesus, made pure, white as snow. Glory to God. Glory to God. I thank God for the message he 